Hey everyone, before we begin today's podcast, I have a very important message to send out into the universe. And if you know somebody who's pregnant, maybe you can let them know about it too. Every mom-to-be is a superhero in the making. You have the inner power and potential to labor, birth, and recover like a superpower. With the right guidance and knowledge, you can unleash this power and face any challenge presented to you. It is my mission to help and guide moms-to-be to realize the superpower and have a better birth experience than they imagined. Want to learn five tips to a better birth experience? Get my five tips for free at courses.ecophysio.com forward slash better birth. All right, let's begin the podcast. Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome to our wonderful listeners. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. My guest today is Melissa Biscardi. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. This is a topic I will rightfully say I don't really know too, too much about. So I'm really looking forward to learning more about this because I know it's kind of a big thing. Um, You know, both of us do the sport of jujitsu and we know people in our clubs that have had concussions and things of that nature. Um, And it can be really challenging to heal from. So I'm just, I'm really looking forward to learning more about this. Um, But I want to know, like, Tell us about you and like, tell us about what got you into concussions. Sure. So I'm a registered nurse and manual osteopath by training. And in around, like most people, I was inspired by personal experience. In 2013, I started to have some memory problems and I just got lost in the system. You know, I was told it was stress or not to be worried about it, but I was you know, really significantly losing my memory. And I was like, this is not in my head. Um, And I think especially being a woman, sometimes we are, well, it was in my head, obviously, but um, (laughs) not the way they were implying. (laughs) And I had to find my own way and figure out, okay, what's going on. So that really got me into the brain stuff and just down this rabbit hole of invisible injury. And then because of the sport, you know, I was seeing concussion, concussion in women, and just the interest was born. Amazing. Well, I mean, not amazing that (laughs) you had one and you had to go in this, you know, in this route, but like so amazing that you were able to, you know, really dive deep and like try to put together pieces to help others who are kind of experiencing symptoms and are, um, you know, being lost, lost in the, uh, lost in the system. Um, Maybe we should, you know, kind of start off with, um, you know, like just defining things, right? Because again, like, I don't know much. And I'm, you know, I'm assuming a lot of our listeners probably don't know much, you know, like, what exactly is a concussion? For sure. No, I think it's great to start there, because there 
is a lot of, there are a lot of misconceptions around what a concussion is. And a concussion happens when there is a shaking of the head, but you don't actually need to hit your head to sustain a concussion. So if you think of a motor vehicle accident or a fall where maybe you didn't hit your head, but there really was a violent shaking and it's that shaking that causes the concussion. Um, and another misconception is that you have to lose consciousness, but actually you don't have to. Some people don't lose consciousness. They just see stars or feel dazed. Some people don't even realize they have a concussion until later, mm. right? When they're feeling off and Why? what happened? Oh yeah, I did hit my head on the counter or whatnot. So it really is a, it's a functional injury. So if you go get an MRI or a CT, it won't show up. It's a functional injury resulting from shaking of the brain like jello. I know it's a gross visual, but the brain inside the skull. And that's, that's what happens. Okay. So you're saying, so, so, so basically like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking in my head, like brain goes to one side of the exactly. like wall yes. and then goes to the other side of, mm-hmm. uh, of the wall. Basically. Now is, is a concussion like considered like, uh, I don't even, I don't know that traumatic brain injury. It sounds so like big, grandiose, um, but is, does it fall underneath the umbrella of like traumatic brain injury or, or where in the classification system does it fall? Yeah, so it does. In under traumatic brain injury, there is mild, moderate, and severe. And so a concussion is the mildest form of mild traumatic brain injury. And that means there has to be an event there has to be some sort of um, indication like feeling days, seeing stars. And if you lose consciousness, it has to be less than 30 minutes. And also having clear imaging is actually criteria that it would be mild. Because once you get into structural changes, then you're getting into more severe brain injuries. But you know, for years, there's lots of back and forth around terminology and stuff like that. So it's a moving... Um, don't want to say moving bullet, but it's moving something. <laughs> right. So meaning like the, the, the more research that is done and, and the more we begin to understand about, you know, the impacts of concussion, what it's actually doing, you know, it's always difficult because, you know, in the medical system, we need to classify it somewhere. We need to give it a definition somewhere, um, you know, and it's important because, you know, it, it helps medical providers try to find the right, um, you know, treatment approach, but sometimes the classification system itself can limit our treatment approach too. Exactly. Um, So what then is a post-concussion syndrome? Like, is that, is that the same, like, is it the same thing? Like, what is it? So it is a little bit different. And even that post-concussion syndrome or post-concussion symptoms, there's a whole um, committee right now trying to determine what we're going to call it. But what that means is the symptoms are lasting longer than expected. So for most people who sustain a concussion, they'll have some symptoms, they'll recover unremarkably, you know, within three or four weeks, get back to regular life. And then there is a subset, which I would say is around 30%. Um, that have persistent symptoms that might be dizziness, visual disturbances, persistent headaches, persistent neck pains. And when that's happening though, that is not the concussion. Uh, The word concussion actually refers to a transient 
you know, shaking of the head, inflammatory response that then heals. Those persistent symptoms are because something else is disrupted. So then you need treatment for what's, what's disrupted, but it will be called a concussion. People will call it a concussion. So, you know, the language just gets confusing, but it actually means there's something else going on. So we have to get to the root of it. Right. Okay. Can you, can you sort of just kind of going back because you said, you know, concussion itself is like that shaking, then there's an inflammatory response and basically, you know, in most cases resolves within a three, four week period. Can you maybe speak to like, you know, I'm thinking reader's digest version of like, what exactly is happening in the, like what's happening in the body? Like what's happening in the brain? Sure. And I think actually using like the knee or an ankle is perfect analogy because if you, if you hit your knee, it inflames over a few days and then your body takes care of it. The healing happens, the uh, inflammatory fluids leave the area and your knee works relatively fine. And the same kind of thing happens in the brain. There is that initial injury, there's inflammation, metabolic cascade, we say, and then things settle, the healing happens. So one thing with a concussion though, if you hit your head, you also have to take into account that there's an injury to the tissue. And I think some people forget that. So yes, you've shaken your head, we have to recover from this um, concussion, but then if you hit your head, you also have to recover from the fact that that tissue is disturbed. So sometimes the head pain headaches can actually be coming from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically you're saying like, you know, when the brain hits the side of the wall, like those outer cell structures that like bang up, it's like kind of like getting a bruise, right? Like if you hit the corner of a desk. It used to be called the brain bruise also, but we don't use that anymore. But uh, like micro, micro trauma. Right, right. Okay. Um, So you mentioned that just earlier that sometimes the symptoms of a concussion don't show up right away. And I'm sort of thinking about like athletes, you know, Um, and I'm thinking about, you know, maybe football players that like years later, um, you know, start developing symptoms. Like, is that, is that concussion or is that post-concussion syndrome or like what does why are the symptoms showing up later I know it's its own animal but um definitely so one thing about athletes is that they are the one percent also so like a lot of research is done on them but we shouldn't necessarily be comparing ourselves to them especially the pros who have so many resources but let's say let's take the knee again for example and let's say you are hitting your knee every single day for 10 years, you just kept hitting your knee on the, the dresser. Your knee would be in really bad shape when you hit 40 or 50. And it's, just, it's similar for the brain. If you're getting repeated head hits, repeated concussions, over time, your brain is not gonna be working optimally. And so what ends up happening is we often see mood disturbances, depression, anxiety, stuff that has to do with that front part of the brain, irritability, uh, headaches, and, and they get worse with time usually. And then you get into the caveat of polypharmacy, self-medicating, 
um, to try and, and control these symptoms. But the truth is that you can get help just like in a, you know, an acute concussion, uh, an, a brain with multiple head injuries still has potential, right? Because of neuroplasticity, um, there's always potential to heal. Maybe you won't end up being the 18 year old you were, but you can feel better. If only we could take our skin, <laughs> only, you know what I, I mean? Know, right? if, only, if only we could take our wrinkles back to when we were 20, yes. right? Uh, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, we get kind of in the mindset of like, I'm too old to change anything, right? Like I even see that in my practice, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm older now, my pelvic floor muscles are getting me. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what age you are. It's a muscle. If you work it, it changes, right? And so sometimes we get caught in our own limiting beliefs about the potential, but like neuroplasticity is a thing. You know, strength training is a thing. You you know, no, we're not going to be 20. You know what I mean? If you, you know, not to be your ages, but you know, like I look at my face now and I'm like, oh, you know, I miss the days where I didn't see those wrinkles. And it's like, I can't go back to that, but I sure can optimize where I am right now to make the best possible life I can right now. And that's just it really. Um, Yeah. It mindset is so huge. And, you know, similar to what you're saying, I've had patients come in and say, Oh, well, diabetes runs in my family. It's like, okay, but it can stop with you. right? Like we can make powerful changes. Mindset comes first and the rest follows. Now question, because, you know, you, you sort of mentioned that the research, you know, is centered around the 1%, like the high level athletes. And, you know, they're a different, you know, they're a different kind of beast, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the resources, but also the training and the nutrition, like they, you know, they're sort of really top notch, but, you know, is it different for like regular, like, do we need to consider that, you know, regular people doing regular life is a little bit different than athletes? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, so for example, the research on travel post-concussion says that if you travel, it won't really affect your recovery. You shouldn't feel bad after. And this, I think the research was done on NFL players. What I see in my practice and what is logical is if you have a concussion and you travel, it's not going to be great. Why? So much stimulus, dehydration on the plane, stress when you're traveling. So some stuff is logical, but the problem is the message that's coming through. The message is saying, no, you can travel and you'll be fine. Well, that sets you up for failure because then you think you're going to be fine and then you don't feel so great. Then you feel bad about it and it's the snowball. So you know, as regular population, I think it does take a little bit more effort, especially because we have to do it. We don't have this whole team that's babying us, making sure we're eating the right things. So the effort comes on us. Okay, we've got to make these uh, smart food choices. Maybe I need these supplements. Okay, I know I have to exercise. Like it's very much on the individual. Absolutely. Um, And then I wonder, you know, is there much research on women and concussions? Like I, I my, my inkling tells me no, right. uh, <laughs> cause you know, re- research in women's health is, is in still lagging in general. Um, but like, are there differences? Like, are there differences concussion in men versus concussion in women? 
Yeah, it's really interesting. So more recently, thankfully, there is more research on women. Um, but women get the short end of the stick for um, concussion, just like with a lot of other things. And one is that we are more prone to get a concussion actually for the same sport. There are a lot of theories. We don't quite know why. Is it neck strength? Hormones definitely play a role. We're more susceptible to getting a concussion in that phase before our period, hormone related. Um, we can have disruptions in our period. Some people uh, some women miss their periods, miss a few periods, have longer periods. Like there's just a huge uh, hormonal disruption that happens with a lot of women. And one really interesting thing is there are certain um, diseases, conditions that predispose you to having a longer concussion recovery. And those conditions are more common in women. So for example, thyroid issues, migraines, those will set you up for a longer recovery and they're more common in women. So there's this real complex sort of layering, um, but women definitely need a little bit more care and attention in that recovery period. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, that's really good to know. Um, and mainly I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm smiling to myself because prior to the, you know, prior to the lockdown, we, we started kind of getting a really good set of women coming in to jujitsu classes. And I mean, it, we're, it's a full, like it's a full contact sport, right? You know, when I started, there was, you know, there was one female that was in the advanced classes. So I never saw her for like a year and some odd time until I could go to the advanced classes, but it was just me. And so right. it's, it's so interesting. Cause I didn't, you know, like I always try to be as careful as one can possibly be in a full context sport. I um, <laughs> but I think it's, you know, super important um, as we also see women joining more male dominant sports um, to be conscious that like we do have a higher risk and certainly, you know, around our menstruation. So that's kind of good to know. It's like, okay, hmm, let me think about, you know, am I going to go into like the full rolling class? Like the day before my period, maybe I'll wait for the you next know, week. It's really interesting because we have this information, like often the conversation around uh, concussion prevention will happen and you'll never prevent them, right? Like you can't necessarily prevent them from happening completely, but there are strategies to minimize them, minimize the risk. And we literally have information about women's physiology that we can leverage, right? Which I think is actually powerful when you take it from that angle. hundred percent. Just nobody's told about it. I'm like, right, I don't know. Exactly. Right? That I is like, very true. I was like, wait, I, I'm more susceptible. Like I had, you know, like I legitimately no clue, no mm -hmm. idea, like, you know, um, so good to know. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, Dr. Google, and forums and, you know, cause I mean, we see this in many different types of experiences. People are looking for community. Um, people are looking for answers. People are researching. People are not sort of getting their goals met with respect to their optimized health. And so they're going and they're searching out these places. Um, I just, I sometimes worry a little bit with respect to forums and Dr. Google, like about the types of information 
right? You, you know, sure. you and I as healthcare providers are trained in assessing quality of studies and quality of research, but you know, the general public, you know, doesn't necessarily have that skill. Um, and I also worry about a lot of negativity yes. in forums. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what do you see on your end with respect to, you know, Google and like just maybe things for people to consider if they're seeking out information on their own? Yeah, I think this is a really uh, good point because the positive aspect about the forums is that you get community support but I would say a sort of negative or not so great aspect that I see is sometimes the forums are full of individuals who have really complex situation that's going on, multiple layers. Like I'm saying, they also have autoimmune disease. They have multiple head injuries, maybe a history of migraines, and they're not doing well. And I think that this can sometimes have a negative effect in that someone who's in the beginning of their recovery can start to have a narrative that they're not going to get better, that they're going to end up three years down the road still suffering. So I really think it's important when people are out there on the forums that you're paying attention to the people who are doing well, because we can literally change our physiology with how we think. Right. So if you focus on the people who are doing well, you can model, model yourself after them. And then Google, of course, is, you know, helpful for some things, but in the same way, it can feed into negative merit narratives. And also, sorry, one more thing I definitely want to point out is that somebody's homework set or the certain set of practitioners one person saw may not be relevant for you at all because every concussion is different. Mm. So I sometimes see people sharing their homework. Oh, I did these these eye exercises. Well, someone might actually need the exact opposite set. So what you've just done is made someone more symptomatic. So I know mm. you people want to share, but sometimes, you know, it's like sharing your medication dose. Oh, okay, I'm gonna increase my Ativan to 100 milligrams because Susie did or whatever, right? Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that, please. Please don't, please don't do that. <laughs> please talk to a medical provider before exactly. you do anything related to any medication changes. But, yeah. but as you, but you're right though, about the exercise piece as well. Right. Um, because you, you can't blanket. It's just like in pelvic health, like Kegels are not for everybody. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's important to, you know, um, have, have somebody, you know, do a, a, a comprehensive assessment. For sure. And to guide you. Right. Yeah. And that's how you're also going to get the fastest results, right. Is if you have a practitioner or practitioners there that are personalizing your care with respect to exactly your concussion and your deficits to move you forward, just like yeah. with pelvic health. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's, um, let's talk about treatment. Um, and I want to, I want to maybe talk about, because we're kind of on the topic of, you know, sort of, well, some, so-and-so is doing this and so-and-so is doing that, you know, are there some approaches to concussion that are in fact, um, potentially harmful. 
Yeah, so I would say the most harmful approach is rest. And the crazy thing is that used to be what was prescribed. And it just shows how we, we learn more and we adapt our approaches. But often the narrative does not change as fast as our learning. So some people will still prescribe rest. Oh, just rest, just wait it out. You know, there's nothing you can do. Put yourself in a dark room. And now we know that actually that's harmful and that treatment should start even within two days, starting with light aerobic activity. But even right after the injury, you don't need to be locking yourself in a dark room. Definitely come off the screens. But we usually say just have some cognitive and um, physical rest. So you can still be awake, moving around, no need to just like isolate yourself. So that narrative has definitely changed. So rest is not best. That's what we say now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's good to know because um, you're right that like the information and the things that we know can change so quickly that like it could be very difficult for everybody. Like not every single person can know everything about everything all the time. Right. So, um, you know, so as healthcare changes, you know, seeking out people who are sort of latest and up to date. And I think that's where maybe subspecialty comes, you know, subspecialty or, or, or um, like a, a, a focus area can be really helpful because those individuals are focused on the one thing. So they're going to be, up to, you know, up to date with that one thing versus maybe a general practitioner it's just impossible for a general practitioner to know everything at all times. And like, what's the latest thing we would just never, like, we would just never leave our computers. Right. I know. I think um, it's hard enough as a uh, like quote unquote specialist to keep up to date. So I can't imagine trying to keep up to date with everything. Yeah. Um, Another thing I want to point out that's important, actually, in terms of uh, recovery in that first 24, 48 hours, people used to be told that you have to be woken up every hour or every two hours or something like that. And we do not do that anymore. So please don't wake up your partner or your friend every two hours, because if you do that, they are going to feel like crap the next day. Right. Because you would feel like crap, even if you didn't have a concussion. So now we don't do that. So again, just like archaic, for lack of a better word, practices that we just don't do anymore. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing that because, you know, it's just little things that, you know, can make a, make a big difference. So, okay. So we've kind of talked about what, like, don't do those things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how do, like... And of course, we're talking blanket general statements, but, you know, how do, how do you, like, how do we treat, like, what do we do? Like, what's, what's treatment look like? So it usually has multiple pillars or layers to it, but always it involves supporting the nervous system first. And there is a lot of research around aerobic activity starting in the early stages. And this might even look like going for a walk right? Two days later, you can be going for a walk as tolerated because we want to support blood flow, oxygen, nutrients to the area. When you start to say it out loud, it's very logical, right? How do you treat a concussion? You support healing. 
then we get in, depending on the person, we get into things like treating the neck. There's always some component of whiplash in a concussion because the threshold for whiplash is lower. So it always involves some treating of the neck. And then depending on the individual, maybe they need eye movement rehabilitation, maybe they need treatment for dizziness. So it starts to get very personalized. But blanket statement, if you sustain a concussion after two days, you can get up moving, support your blood flow, and then definitely check in with a practitioner. Okay. But it's nervous system first is what I usually say. Which makes, then, oh, which makes sense. Yeah, go for ahead. Sure, for sure. I was just going to say, you know, if you've had a concussion or your kid or your partner in that early phase, staying off the screens, like low stimulation also is going to be good for you. Well, you don't want to be overworking the cells that are like, or you don't want to be taking attention, like brain and mm-hmm. like, nervous system attention away from the healing process. So that kind of makes, that makes sense because if your attention is moving away to, you know, process stimulation, you're using, you are using your brain, but you're kind of maybe putting it into overdrive, like you're overusing it. Especially because the computer or the phone is like a strobe light right into our frontal lobe. So the nervous system is already ah, right up because it's been injured. And then you're just, um, yeah, stimulating the crap out of it on top of that. <laughs> Probably not, not the best thing. Right. So, so you mentioned, um, you mentioned the neck, um, as being an important component, you know, to look at and, and you said like <clears throat> the threshold for, um, whiplash is much, you know, much lower. Like what might be some things you're looking for in the neck? Like in terms of like a general screen, like what, what are you sort of looking for to see if the neck is or is not involved? Sure. We definitely look at pain-free range of motion. We'll do, so the, from the practitioner side, we'll do some assessments to make sure there's no disc involvement if it was a more sort of aggressive injury. Um, But also we'll look at spasm of the muscle because honestly, after a shaking, usually the neck just wants to protect itself. So everything tightens up. Mm. And then, you know, if it's been two or three months, someone's coming in way later, we'll look at that tissue integrity too. Okay. So this neck hasn't really been moving well for a couple of months. How's that tissue feeling? And then you work backwards. Okay. We got to bring health back to the neck so we can bring health back to the brain. Right. Okay. So you mentioned like different sort of, you know, pillars to, you know, to treatment and you said, okay, nervous system first, you know, look at, um, look at the neck. Um, Are there any other like major pillars that you're looking at from a treatment perspective? Yeah. So let's say someone comes into my practice, um, aerobic exercise, is number one, and then more specific brain-based exercises. I kind of put that in uh, in one pillar, and then nutrition and supplementation, right? Like how are we fueling this body for healing? Um, mm-hmm. Because that's super powerful. Um, rest, like getting people, because your circadian rhythm is important and lack of sleep makes everything worse, it's right? So- Everything, everything, everything. So we need to have the sleep for healing and just for mental health. Um, And then 
either physical manual therapy, acupuncture, or people doing physical exercises on their own to support that head and neck sort of system. I always say the neck is the portal to the brain. So we want it moving well. We want the you know tissues not to be too restricted so that blood flow can get to the brain, bring the nutrients up, the oxygen up and get any junk out of there. <laughs> exactly. Well, because that's, you know, healing is going to produce waste and we need exactly. to replenish and yeah, like, you know, that blood flow is like passing through the neck. And if you're like all, you know, if your muscles are jacked, right in protection mode, it's just going to make everything so much harder. Right. Absolutely. Um, and what was I going to say? Oh my gosh. That's okay. I don't know. <laughs> it, it'll, 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 it it'll, eventually... neck. it'll come back to me. <laughs> oh, hopefully. Um, but you're, yeah, like, I mean, if I think about also like the different cranial nerves that come out from the brain stem down the neck, you know, can, I, I'm also thinking like, I wonder, and maybe you can answer this because this is a total neuroscience geeky moment we're going to have here. Um, because I know the vagus nerve is coming down through there. There's cranial nerves coming down through there that can affect eyes and um, facial expression. Do you see changes like also like in the face? and digestion does digestion at all get involved with concussions absolutely especially because like you're saying that vagus nerve and that vagus nerve travels down the neck so again if there's all this neck spasm that's not going to be too nice for the vagus nerve often i will give some self massages for that vagus nerve uh, to stimulate it the other nerve that's all often involved is trigeminal nerve, which kind of mm. exits at the forehead, which is face pain and also eye pain. So a lot of the time people will say, oh, I have pain in my eyes. And then we'll do some work around there. Again, often some self massages that people can then do at home, because that's the thing is you can do some stuff in office, but the traction has to be at home. Yeah. Um, and that whole gut brain access can definitely be disrupted when that nervous system is thrown for a loop. Some of the research says that changes in, in the gut brain access can start within six or eight hours after injury. So it's very quick. Mm. So it's, it, the body is so fascinating and complex. Uh, it's super, super, super complex. And I'm just like on this like total nerd like fascination, obsession with like polyvagal theory. So that's why yes. I was like, vagus oh, nerve, yes. tell me about the vagus nerve. I want to know. And then I'm like, I want to know what other impacts that's, you know, having. And of course it makes sense that you would maybe want to self-isolate, especially if the vagus nerve is under distress because that's our social engagement. It's a link to our social engagement system. So, you know, if you're not going to feel very social, if you're not feeling very good and then like, if your body feels like it's under threat, which I mean, it's in a process of healing, you know, it's got to divert attention away from other processes. So yeah, I, I would agree that the nervous system 100% is key. And, you know, it's interesting because like you're saying, we, we go into quote unquote fight or flight. And so what happens? Well, that visual system is on high alert because if we were in the jungle, we would have to see our pred predators. But you know what? We don't need to see our cell phone that that much. But still, the eyes are in high response mode. Sound. We want to be able to hear our predators. So then we we have increased sensitivity to sound. So things that 
um, were potentially beneficial back in the day are not really great for us in today's world. And especially in a concussion situation, because, you know, we tune into low frequency sound and I don't know, I'd be super annoyed, right? If I kind of hear low frequency sound that's coming in probably louder than Mm -hmm. what it would normally come in because the ear muscles actually change to listen to predators. Yes. It's so, it's just like, I find it completely and utterly fascinating like so the, all the ways the vagus nerve like changes <laughs> anyways not to dive too far deep but that was totally like a selfish moment I'm like I just no, want to know right um and you know there are so many strategies and I'm sure you know many of them like how to support our vagus nerve like I said the I call it neck milking it's called carotid massage just like massaging that neck gargling deep breathing, humming. There are so many ways that even if you don't have a concussion, chances are you still need to support your vagus nerve, right? It's so 100%. It's just, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm full on down a rabbit hole that I'm happily flying down right now. I'm just learning about, you know, how to support this nerve because I I think it has um, major health impacts not only in the physical, but like emotional, mental realm. Um, so I'm, I think it's a, an important area of research for, for me, especially as it relates to chronic pain, right? Absolutely. Um, and concussion has its own pains, right? And it has its own mental and emotional disturbances. So, um, so basically what you're saying is that like when you're approaching concussion management, like really you're not like just supporting the healing tissue. You are supporting an entire system, i.e. you as a human. And what does a human need to heal? You know, exactly. And how do we support it through all of the different aspects of what we call health? So true. It's so true. I always say it's simple, but it's not easy, right? It is so true, right? We know what we should do to get better sleep. And yet we don't do it. You know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it takes discipline, right? And it takes, you know, reprioritizing and assigning different value to the things that are important for us, right? Which is hard. And we've kind of been trained for so many years that there's a pill for everything. And well, there is, but... (laughs) Uh, but, you know, we're moving towards a more holistic approach and the pill comes with other consequences. You know, if I have an infection, chances are I'm going to take an antibiotic. Yeah. If I have a concussion, I'm going to take a holistic approach. Um, on that note, like, you know, are, is there research, is there actually research to support any kind of medication? Like are, is there medications for concussion? And I'm using air quotes, Yes. you know, um, like, so the thing is, and you know, this is one way patients really get kind of mixed up in the medical system because often people don't know what a certain professional is for. Right. Mm. So your GP is a, a router, I guess, like yeah. it's going to connect you to other people. It's your, your GP is not going to solve your concussion. It's going to rule out red flags. Then maybe you're going to go to a neurologist 
Yes. And people think the neurologist is going to help their concussion. The neurologist is going to look deeper, but a neurologist is an MD. So he or she is going to prescribe. That's their role, right? So on that note, they're going to prescribe an antidepressant. If you have mood stuff going on, right? Or any other symptom, they're going to try and pair a medication to the symptom. So there definitely are medications out there, but they're based on the symptom and or migraine medication, or sometimes patients will end up getting Botox all over their face or head, which does give them some nice (laughs) anti-aging effects, but often there's no exit plan. That's the only problem with the medication approach. So I always tell patients, just learn about your exit plan. Are you going to be on these for the rest of your life? Because I think often that's not discussed because people are in so much pain. So Mm. there definitely are medications, but they're based on the symptom, not based on bringing health back in the system. So, and I imagine that, like, I imagine that in the initial acute phase, they can be helpful in, um, you know, calming the nervous system to allow for the other things to have the time to take hold, right? Because when we're talking about holistic approaches, there is no magical switch. It takes time, right? Healing takes time. You cannot speed up healing. You can just try to make it a more comfortable process, right? Um, We can try to optimize it. We can try to make it more comfortable, but you know, like healing in and of itself is kind of a painful process. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, you know, it, it's going to take the time that it needs to take. And it's not smooth. Right. Right. Yeah. It's bumpy. It's a bumpy road. (laughs) Yeah. With adjustments that need to happen. But I imagine if somebody's having some really severe symptoms, you know, that's going to impede their ability to like engage in what needs to happen. Right. So I can, I imagine, and similarly in chronic pain, Mm -hmm. you know, pain medications are not bad. Mm -hmm. They're just not meant to be forever. Exactly. Exactly. There's a place for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, is it possible to like you said that you can recover you know is it ever too late is it possible to recover i think you know i think hope is uh hope is a big big thing so i i want to i want to instill some hope in people yes you can recover you can recover 100% and that is the thing about a concussion the concussion is functional so you can recover, you can recover 100%. If you if it's 10 years later, you can still recover 100%. But the time, you might not because let's say you're 60. Well, and it's going to take actually 10 years to make all those changes. So the t- there is a time factor, you can recover. Sometimes it takes a little bit of work, it takes a lot of mindset right? You have to believe in the process and, and just understand that it's a a little bit of a bumpy road. Absolutely. Well, I mean, as with, as with any, as with everything, um, I wanted to ask you about your app. So you have an Mm -hmm. app. Can you tell us about the app? What is it? 
Sure. Our, uh, my app is called Brain Toolkit, and it's an easy-to-use app. You can use it for brain optimization. I use it with my concussion patients, and it has activities for memory, concentration, word recall, some basic stuff for your eyes. The eyes are, the, are an extension of your brain, and it really you can just get on the app and start the sort of base-level exercises without any help. If you want to level up, then you can use a practitioner or you can get creative. So it's pretty straightforward. It's available for Android and Apple. And um, yes, I recommend it. Okay. Um, <laughs> is, there, is there a fee for the app? The app is, okay, it's around five. It's not expensive. It's $5 US, which is probably $8 Canadian. Okay. And that's one of the reasons I made it is because there wasn't, very many or any financially accessible, useful apps out there. So with the doing the things that I wanted it to do. Right. Basically. Okay. So, so it's, is it just for individuals um, recovering from concussion or it can be like, it basically it's like exercise for your yes. brain. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So anyone could use it. And there are little sort of tips right there in the app, like start here. And if you want to uh, progress, add this into it. So it's very user friendly. Gotcha. Um, and the name of it again was oh, is brain toolkit. Brain Toolkit. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll put a, we'll put a note um, in the show notes for, for that. Um, and then you also have a Facebook group. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what it is, who's it for? Sure. So it's called Concussed Now What? And it's for people who, even if you've recovered from concussion, but if you're recovering, you can go in. I do a weekly live on Wednesdays at noon and post useful tips. And then people who are recovering or have recovered will also give their two cents if people have questions. So it's a safe community for information and sharing. Excellent. Um, and we'll, we'll post a, we'll post that also in the show notes. Um, so anywhere else that, you know, people, you know, can find you, follow you and like, if they wanted to work with you because they have a concussion and need sure. some management, you know, tell us all the details. Absolutely. My uh, website is rehablab.ca and on Instagram, I'm the rehab lab, which I guess you guys will link in the show notes and yep. you can reach out to me on any of the, those social media platforms, or there is a little link to ask a question on my website. So I'd be happy to help. And if I don't think I can help, then I always will refer to a practitioner that I think is the right fit for you. Excellent. So, um, and just uh, because we have people all across the world listening, mm -hmm. um, where are you based out of? So oh, yeah. know, like mean, if, <laughs> if people actually want to see you in person, oh, sure. actually question, mm -hmm. question, only because this is relevant to a, a global pandemic. Yes. Are any of your services virtual? Yes. So I do offer virtual care and I've gotten good results. I have patients all across Canada. I've consulted with people from across the world, really, which is so cool. Right? I know, right? <laughs> it's so cool. So um, I do offer virtual care and have some technology so that you can be monitored virtually, which are, is pretty cool. Amazing. So if, but in person, I'm in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Okay. I just figured we kind of like mentioned that. Right. <laughs> 
got listeners, you know, across across Canada, the US and across the world. So they might be like, oh, I want to see you. And it's like, yeah, but I'm in Toronto and flying is not a really a thing right now. now. um, But it's good to know that like so many of us have found a way to continue to serve our community virtually. And I think it's um, I think it's like the positive out of this whole thing is that, you know, it's, you know, the, the technology has made things limitless in terms yes. of access, right? And you know what's amazing is that people can reach practitioners that were not accessible to them before. Like, let's say a quote unquote public health specialist or concussion specialist. Now they have access. So it's really amazing. It is totally amazing. For the record, we're not allowed to call ourselves. Yes, <laughs> sorry, I know. <laughs> I know it comes. You know, it comes out because when you're thinking, right. when you're thinking about, you know, somebody who, you know, hyper focuses on us. It, you know, we get into semantics. I right? know. I'm looking for the right word. I haven't come up with one that isn't banned. And it, uh, I know, right? <laughs> we're therapists with a you know, specialized focus on the subject, right? We're not specialists, but we special, we are our specialty of focus or, you know, is what we do. Yes. There you go. (laughs) Um, I want to thank you so much for coming and educating, um, you know, us about concussions because, you know, there's been a lot of talk, you know, there's been movies now about it and information coming out about it. And I think that, you know, when we, when it comes to our precious brains that govern so many things, we want to make sure it's in the healthiest possible state that we can. And hopefully this has kind of provided a baseline kind of information piece for people to be like, okay, I have a little bit of information where I can ask some better questions and then get some better care. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. I know. Um, And of course, you know, we always want to thank our listeners for, you know, for joining us. And I think this is, you know, definitely one of those episodes that like if you, your partner, your children are doing any kind of sport um, that may have an increased likelihood of risk to developing a concussion, this, this would be the episode really to, to share. I mean, you're right. We can't, um, we can't take away all the risk, you know, on the playgrounds and stuff like that, but, you know, certainly in sport that there is this inherent increased risk of, you know, sustaining a concussion. So let's share this out. Um, and if you're not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you are because we have cool people coming on, talking about cool things all the time. Um, And anyways, on that note, we wish you all a wonderful day. Till next time. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.